Good evening. Wow, that was weak. <laughs> uh, good evening. Okay, that was better. Good. I'm glad we're all awake. Um, and if I haven't had the opportunity to meet each and every one of you, my name is Anthony. I am very privileged and blessed to be able to come and speak to you here tonight. And I just want to say before we get started that I love each and every single one of you, even those of you I haven't met yet. Um, and it doesn't matter whether you're sitting on the left side or the right side. I'm not sure which side is it. It's on my left and or on the right um, or up in the balcony. I love each and every one of you, and everything that I have to say tonight really is coming from an overflow of love that God has given me for you. So even if you're skeptical about whether I really love you, and I do, um, know that that love comes from God. And so don't just hear it as my love, but as a reflection of God's deep and abiding love for each and every one of you. But today is a good question about who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And I'm gonna need your, your help with this, actually. Um, as we just heard in the reading, Jesus asked his disciples, who do the people say that I am? Who do the people say that I am? So tell me, who do people today say Jesus is? Who is he? You can shout it out. It's okay. Our Savior. All right. What else do people say Jesus is? Who do they say Jesus is? He was a good guy once. You know, a long time ago, there was this guy. He was really nice from what I've been told, but who knows? Okay. Who else? What else do people say Jesus is? Who do they say that Jesus is? Some people say that Jesus is God. It's true. What else do people say about Jesus? Who is Jesus? A charlatan. So there are some people, they're like, man, Jesus was the best con artist history has ever seen. It's very true. A lot of people, they think he was a complete fake. It's a good question. Who is Jesus? What else do people say about Jesus? Who is Jesus? A myth. And there's a couple different kinds of myths, right? Some people are like he's a mythic figure, not in the sense that he doesn't exist, but that people live in a reality of myth around him. But then other people will say, of course, that by myth they mean he never existed. Now, this is probably historically problematic because most historians don't think that he never existed. But there are some people who say, you know what? Jesus, he was never even born. He was just invented. What else do people say about Jesus? Who is Jesus? A prophet. Yeah, a lot of people are like, you know what? Jesus was a prophet. Um, a great prophet. He, he spoke prophetically. It's true. Who else is Jesus? Messiah. Some people will say, especially if they are Jewish and they have come to faith in Jesus Christ, they will say, Jesus Christ is the one that my people have been waiting for their entire existence. He was promised by God in time immemorial, and he's arrived. Who else do people say Jesus is? 
There's a lot of things floating around. I think today there could be a hundred different things. Uh, if we spent the next 15, 20 minutes, we could come up with probably a dozen things a minute if we really tried hard about what people say about Jesus. Some people say he's a great moral teacher. Other people say he's a prophet. Other people say he's God. Some people say he's a charlatan. Other people say he's a myth. Some people say this and other people say that. And let's just think briefly together, what do the people who lived around Jesus' time, what did they say about Jesus? Right? Because we're, we're like 2,000 years removed. But Jesus, he really did live, and there is a report of what people were saying about who this Jesus guy was. And what, what, who do they think he is? And when Jesus asks his disciples, his disciples are like, okay, well, some people say John the Baptist, and other people say um, Elijah. Some other people even say Jeremiah. Now, Maybe in this room, not everybody here has, knows who Jeremiah and Elijah and John the Baptist are, and that's all right, but I'll just give you a rundown. John the Baptist, he was known for his, we'll call his fiery personality. Uh, he lived out in the desert. He was calling out all kinds of structural, societal sins as well as personal sins. In fact, he gets killed because he said that the king needed to stop sleeping with his brother's wife. And eventually this kind of annoyed his, uh, the king's brother's wife. And so she, when she had an opportunity, had John the Baptist beheaded. Elijah, he was dealing with the king of Israel who was neck deep in idolatry and turning the people of God away from worshiping God. And there was all this idolatry. And so Elijah said, until you turn back to God, there's no rain. None. And so there was no rain for years. And then eventually he goes out and he says, let's have a showdown. Your fake idols versus my true and living God. And so they're like, well, you know, we haven't had water in a long time from the sky, so we've got nothing to lose. Let's try it. And then they all go, and there they are at the top of this mountain. And the people who are worshiping Baal try to get Baal to make it rain. Make it rain. <sighs> right? But did it work? It, it did not. They're out there all day, and Elijah's like kind of snarky the whole time. I, maybe he's in the bathroom. Just shout louder. Maybe he fell asleep. You probably need, try cutting yourself this time. Um, and then he's like, okay, my turn. Go get some water. It, it's hard to come by when it hasn't rained for a couple years. And, but they bring all this water to the top of the mountain. Also not an easy task if you've ever climbed a mountain. And they bring all this water to the top. They dump it on an altar. And boom. Elijah just prays. Fire comes out of the sky. A giant fireball consumes not just all the wood on the top of the altar that's now been soaked. And if you've ever gone camping, that is a quite a feat, just to get it lit. This is incinerated, and the rocks underneath the wood are incinerated, and this is Elijah. Jeremiah, also not known for his docile personality, he contested the Pharisees, well, not the Pharisees, but the priestly class and the political class of his era, and he was calling out all of the sins and the problems in Israel and calling them to turn back to God, but also saying, judgment is coming and there's nothing you can do about it, it is too late for all of you. 
They didn't like this message. And so when Jeremiah sent them a letter this one time, they took the letter, they read it to the king, then they cut the part that they had just read off and threw it into the fire, and it burned. And then they went back. And they were like, we got rid of the letter. This is great. But what does this mean? Why are they called, they were they reminded of these people when they're, when they're talking about Jesus, when the disciples are answering, who do people say Jesus is? They're all listing the prophets, like somebody said in the back. They said, he's a prophet. And it's because when Jesus was speaking, he wasn't controlled or restrained by politics or power, by the priestly class, by the cultural norms of the day. And when they heard him speak, when they heard him say something, they knew that there was more to what he was saying. He wasn't just some teacher. He didn't have a great idea, and he wasn't a good public speaker. I mean, he was, but that wasn't what they were thinking. They were thinking, this guy is saying what God would say to us. This guy is speaking for God. But you know what? Today, there are literally a billion people who believe Jesus is a very important prophet, all of the Muslims in the world, they believe Jesus was a prophet. It's not an uncommon conclusion to come to. But then Jesus asked his disciples, well, who do you guys say that I am? And he asks all of them, but Peter responds. And he says, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. And, wow. For us, we might think, oh, we've heard that a thousand times. Maybe you're new here tonight and you've never been in a church before and you've never heard that before. It's not old news to you, but to a lot of Christians, they've heard it so many times, it doesn't even mean anything to them anymore. But it's so radical what Peter just said that actually Jesus says, Peter, I know you did not come up with this answer on your own. I also know no human being helped you. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. It was my Father in heaven. And did you catch what he called Peter? He said, Simon, son of Jonah. Do you know what the word Jonah means? It is a Hebrew word. For dove. And so what I think Jesus is trying to help us see is that Peter is being born again in the Holy Spirit. And it is by the Holy Spirit speaking in his heart and in his life that he realizes Jesus is God in the flesh and he's God here to save. And nobody could come to that on their own. None of us can we ever come to truly believe that that is a miracle only God can reveal something like that because God is so good and so awesome and so beyond human comprehension that it has to be God's comprehension put into us and that is what God the Father gave to Peter through his Holy Spirit but then Jesus says to Peter I call you Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. 
and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. What are the gates of Hades? Mainly, that was the place where everybody goes when they die. That was a way of saying, death will not destroy my church. But not just death, but everything that works and operates on the powers of death. The, the manipulating, death-inducing, human-hating entities such as demons, such as the 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 powers in this world that dehumanize and destroy. And what Jesus is saying is not death, not anything that works upon you to, to, to face death, nothing that forces you into something that feels like death, that none of those things, no matter how bad, no matter how the most powerful thing anybody in this world can think of is death. And Jesus says, not even death, not even demons, nothing. Nothing can overcome the kingdom that Jesus is building. Nothing can destroy the church. And then he says, Peter, what you, I'm giving you the king, keys to the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? Keys to the kingdom? Like, is that like, it's not the keys to the car, right? That's not, that's not the kind of keys that we're talking about. Um, Peter isn't getting a driver's license. Peter is being given authority, and he says, what you bind, Peter, will be truly bound in heaven, and what you release will be truly released in heaven. And what does that mean? And why is Jesus saying that? Because Jesus knows we face death all the time. We face things that are crushing us and destroying us. We face a society that, that tears us up. Sometimes it's people. But we also face spiritual forces of evil that want to harm us and want to oppress us. And maybe you're here today and you don't really believe in demons, but let me tell you that there are demons in this world and they do hate human beings. Because I bet there's also some people in this room who do sense that their lives are just being attacked by these spiritual forces of evil. And why did Jesus give Peter the authority? It's because he so radically loves us. He doesn't want us to face death in fear. He doesn't want us to face demons in fear. He doesn't want us to face society in fear. He wants us to know that there is freedom and he came into this world to bring freedom, to save us from anything, no matter how bad, no matter how powerful. And in this room tonight, Jesus Christ is Lord. And death does not reign in this room. Not demons either. Only the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, immediately after this, Jesus says, okay, now don't tell anybody. And you're like, well, that's quite a switch. And to be honest with you, I still wrestle with why does Jesus say be quiet and don't tell anybody? I'm, I'm still not 100% sure. But what I do think is that part of it is Jesus knows that what they've just heard come out of Peter's mouth and what they've just heard Jesus say to Peter, which shows that Jesus has all the power in the world, he knows they are going to misunderstand what power is about. And that's exactly what happens. And so Jesus immediately starts telling them right after this, he's like, all right, I, I got to show you what has to happen. This is what's got to happen. I've got to go to Jerusalem. I've got to suffer a bunch of different things by the 
priestly establishment, and I've got to be killed. And I've got to raise from the dead on the third day. Now, Peter, and we could, yeah, it's good. You know, Peter does not like what he hears, okay? He doesn't like it at all. In fact, and this is probably the right response. He loves Jesus so much. Imagine if one of your best friends just told you they're about to suffer a bunch of terrible things, get killed, right? You would freak out and you'd be like, no, 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 no. And Peter perhaps a little bit high on his recent blessing, um, goes up to Jesus, and he's like, Jesus, let, no, I just, no. <laughs> never, this, was, this will never happen to you, Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and he says, get behind me, Satan. You are my stumbling block because you are relating to these things not the way God relates to them, but the way humans relate to them. I don't know if you've ever been rebuked by the Holy Spirit before. Sometimes it can be intense. Um, it was definitely intense for Peter. But this moment, this shows how much it had to have been God to reveal to Peter that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of the living God, because he didn't get it. Just like the next scene, what happens? He's telling Jesus, no, this is not what you're about. And why did Jesus say, Peter, get behind me? Well, one, because they're walking on the road, and Jesus is saying, who follows whom, Peter? That's the second question for us to think about tonight. Who follows whom? Do we follow Jesus, or does Jesus follow us? And what Jesus is telling Peter is, you follow me, Peter. Why does he call him Satan? Not because Peter is suddenly possessed, but because Peter is playing the same role in Jesus' life in that moment that, he would, that the devil himself played when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness. When Jesus was being tempted by the devil to think about power as something that you could worship, by trying to, to make his mission about power and about self-satisfaction, avoiding the cross. And that's the thing. We, we often do the same thing today. We think sometimes that becoming a Christian is about just getting a certain kind of power or having a, a life support. But Jesus is saying something much more radical Jesus is saying, you know what? I do have all the power, right? We know that's what Jesus has already said. But the thing that we so often miss as human beings is we see power and we immediately worship it. And Jesus says, those things that you think make you powerful, that you think make you important, this isn't the way God looks at the world. And did you catch it? Peter missed one of the most important things that Jesus was teaching his disciples. Yes, he said, I will suffer all these things. Yes, I have to go to Jerusalem. Yes, I will be killed. But you know what else he was showing them had to happen? That he had to raise from the dead on the third day. And Peter missed it. He missed the promise of resurrection. He missed it because he was 
he was thinking about power and about life the way we're so accustomed to thinking about it. That's what happened. And so then what happens? Jesus goes immediately from there and he says, okay, whoever wants to follow me, if you want to follow me, and it's a good question for all of us, do we want to follow Jesus? Do we? What does that mean? Why would we want to follow him? Well, on the one hand, because he is the true and living God and he offers to us the the grace and the joy and the love that no human being could possibly give to us. There is no contingency on his love for you, on his love for us. We cannot screw it up. We cannot get rid of it. He loved us when we sucked and when we still suck. But you know what? Not only does he love us that radically, but he loves us in a way that can give us eternal life. We're going to take communion tonight, and one of the things that we remember in communion is that Jesus died. His body was broken, and his blood was shed for us. That's the kind of love. That's what he was telling Peter had to happen, that there was such a radicalness to his love that nothing could hold it back, not even dying on a cross. He loved us enough to die, but not just die, be tortured to death. but also be raised to give us life. His death brought us life as much as his life brought us life. That's one reason to want to follow Jesus. Of course, there's the other reason. He mentions he does have all the power and he is coming back to judge. He will come back in the glory of his father with his angels. There, will, there is a day coming. All the things wrong with this world, all the things wrong, Jesus is going to put right. All the demons that like to pretend they have something to do in this world, nope, there will be a day when they are judged. But not just them. All of us human beings will also face Jesus' accountability. Because when we live a life that destroys other people, he has to hold that accountable. He loves everybody in the planet too much to say justice for you but not for you. When Jesus returns, everybody gets justice. And that's scary, because all of us have done some pretty terrible things. But that's why Jesus went to the cross. And so what happens? What happens is, he, he says, if anybody wants to, to follow me, and it's, it's a good question to wrestle with, because then he immediately says, this is what's required. You have to deny yourself. You have to take up a cross and you have to follow me. Specifically your cross, our cross. God, if he's working in your heart, and maybe you would never have expected to, to be even thinking, maybe Jesus is somebody that I want to follow. If you have that feeling in your heart, that is the Holy Spirit at work now, and nobody else can do it. That's, that's not a human thing that's happening. Pay attention. It's an amazing opportunity. God is pouring out his love to you. And he's also giving you a summons. A summons to something that honestly, I'm not going to lie to you, following Jesus is hard. In fact, it can be painful. And 
Sometimes we in the church, we say the same things to one another that Peter said to Jesus because somebody tells us, oh, you know, I think God is calling me to this and we hear it and it's like, that's so hard and that's so painful and that's like self-destruction. No, 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 no. But the truth is, by God's grace, there might be people in this room who will one day die for Jesus. And I'm not gonna kid you, that is what Jesus is calling each of us in this room to be willing to do, to follow him. There's no other way to follow him. If you want to come after me, he says, you have to pick up a cross. You don't just carry crosses for fun. You carry them to where they kill you. But there is something else. If you carry a cross, just like Jesus, you will also rise from the dead. And you will be freed from all the games and the the, the lies that we worship in our everyday life. These lies, they, they seem comfortable to us, but they're actually killing us in ways that we often don't even perceive. What are these lies? Some of them are greed. Some, one cross that you might have to carry is, you might have to say, life is not about money, it's not about being wealthy. I might need to be poor to follow Jesus. And if you're poor, this is not pretty, this is not difficult for you. I mean, this is what you're doing. Others, you, you are worried about becoming a social pariah that, that nobody will want to be a part of your life anymore. You're worried about being alone. I'm not going to kid you, you might have to be alone to follow Jesus. But Jesus will always be with you. And so will all of his people. We're on this path to the cross together. You might have to, to give up the way the world does relationships and sex. And you might think, I'll never get a relationship if I don't do it this way. And maybe you won't. But Jesus, Jesus is calling us all to walk his path whatever it costs us. There's, there's a thousand things. It could be education. It could be social power. It could be all kinds of things. I don't know what the crosses are that Jesus is calling each and every one of us in this room to take up tonight, but I do know that there are people here in this room where the Spirit is speaking right now and He's nudging you. And He's saying, this is the cross. I want you to take it up. I want you to follow me. So, what does it look like to pick up that cross? It depends on what that cross is. And it's something you have to discern before the Lord. And it might mean God calls some people tonight. There could be somebody who's being called into ministry, called to be a doctor, called to be a construction worker. I don't know, but God has something, and it may cost something. But whatever God is calling you to do, I know this. Even if it tastes like death today, it will taste like resurrection, victory, and life for all of eternity. And I just want you to know that I, I'm being very serious right now because I love you guys so deeply and I see the joy that is set before each and every one of us because Jesus didn't go to the cross for funsies. 
It was not fun. He wasn't sitting there and like, you know what would be great for my weekend? If I did the cross thing. That was not it. That was definitely not it. Instead, he was like, for the joy set before him. That's what Hebrews says. So he saw a joy. He saw a joy past the cross. That's what Jesus gives us the power to do, to look beyond the cross. So can you see beyond the cross in front of you tonight? Can you see the life that God has for you? A life that can never be snuffed out. What can you do to, in exchange for your life, in exchange for your soul? What good does it do you if you have all the best sex in the world, you have all the money in the world, if you have all the power in the world, if you have all the relationships that you want in the world, if you have all the comfort and ease that you could ever imagine in this world, even if you had all of the ministry that you could imagine in this world, what does it matter? None of those things will give you life. But Jesus, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And right now he's calling each and every one of us and calling all of us as a church to pick up our cross and follow him. So we're gonna do that through prayer. We're gonna do that through prayer. How are we gonna pray? Well, as the prayer ministry team comes forward, um, along with the band, I don't know what God has been doing in your heart right now. I don't know what he's nudging you. And I know it could be scary, but I'm telling you, you will be freed from fear when you pick up that cross. So if you are feeling God stirring you, come to the front. Let us pray with you. Let us not just encourage you to take up a cross, but take that cross up with you because we are in this together. We're all carrying crosses tonight. We're all going to pick them up. And maybe you're here and you say, look, Anthony, the thing is I've already carried a cross for so long. I can't carry another cross. What do you want from me? I don't want anything. You're already carrying the cross. The Lord knows. and He's glad that you have been faithful with that cross. And he wants you to have renewed strength tonight to carry it longer. So come forward and get prayer. Maybe you're here tonight and you want to be freed from those spiritual forces that are kind of crushing in at some part of your life. Maybe you feel like there's spiritual opposition or that there's some sort of demonic activity in your life. Come forward and we will pray for you because there is liberation from that in Jesus Christ for Jesus Christ is Lord. Maybe tonight you've never followed Jesus before. You've never even come to church before. And man, what a sermon for you to show up for. Um, but Jesus is talking to you and he's saying, I've got more than you could ever imagine for you. Will you pick up the cross? So let's pray. Lord Jesus, please help us to carry these crosses, whatever they are, whatever they look like. It's impossible to us, for us to carry on, their, on our own. Lord God, these crosses were hard even uh, for Jesus to bear. But we pray, God, that you would just fill us with your Holy Spirit tonight and give us the ability um, 
to carry these crosses and to be able to follow you. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.